good evening and thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you studying the Word of God with us. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we have been studying the entire books of the Bible. Believe it or not, we started way back in the year in the book of Genesis. And we've been going book after book after books. Guess where we are today? We are in the book of Obadiah. You say, Obi who? <laughs> He's hardly talked about. I feel you because I remember as a youngster, uh, there was a young man in my elementary school class. And I asked him one day, I said, what's your name? And he said, my name is Obidiah. I said, Obi who? <laughs> How on earth your mama call you Obidiah? <laughs> so we, we make fun of him. We were just little rascals. But Obidiah is a book in the Bible. In fact, you might want to know that it is this, this shortest chapter or shortest book in the entire Bible. Just one chapter. Only 21 verses. So you probably say, oh, this Bible study is going to be quick and sweet, short and sweet. <laughs> so, but the Lord had some serious revelation through Brother Obidiah. Uh, the name Obidiah let me start out by pointing that out, that the name means the servant of God. I can stop there and preach. Can you imagine if everyone who professed to be a minister, evangelist, teacher, pastor, prophet, apostle, a five-hole ministry, only God knows, all kinds of titles out there. Can you imagine if every one of those people can be truly servant of God? Maybe you're watching me today and you are a local pastor. First, I want to thank you for joining us. It means a lot to me that we can study the Word of God together. But please permit me to encourage you and challenge you and motivate you that in your calling, in your service, do your very best to be a servant of Almighty God. What I'm asking you to do has been my own desire also. I realize you're not perfect. Guess what? I'm not perfect either. But oh, what a goal to pursue. What an agenda to be in the forefront of your ministry. That you, me, all of us who profess to minister in the kingdom of God. And by the way, this is not reserved just to preachers. Some of you, maybe you are head of usher ministry. Maybe you are working the parking lot. 
Maybe you are just a Sunday school teacher, whatever you do. Maybe you work with the sounds. Maybe you work in the media ministry. Maybe you are an administrative staff in the church office. The greatest thing that you can do in the kingdom of God is for you, me, all of us to be the servant of God. Wow. What a rest thing. Obadiah, not only does he mean the servant of God, Obadiah is relatively unknown. He is not into popularity contest. He ministered, he died, and he was buried in Samaria. Let me say one more thing about Obadiah. I was privileged to visit Israel. I went with a bunch of my own church members. And when we got there, I happened to be the leader of the park, you know. <laughs> so, and the tourist guide, the gentleman who asked me, Pastor, is there any other place you would like to see that is not on the list of our tourist guide? And I would just, based on my knowledge of the Bible, I would say, I want to see where this person was buried. Or I want to see where's the home of Simon Peter, uh, where Jesus healed his mother-in-law. I would just, I would just throw in what I know in the Bible. Guess one of those things that I wanted to see. I remember uh, one time I woke up in the morning and my wife and Brother Harrell Davis, uh, my CFO, and we just took a taxi cab. We don't even have a tourist guide. We just take a chance. We're in a foreign country, Israel. We don't know where we are. We don't know where we're going. But I woke up, typical preacher. I said, I want to know where Lazarus was raised from the dead. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I read this thing in the Bible, and I'm thinking, hey, I want to see it. So, and my CFO said, okay. Yes, sir. We'll make it happen. I mean, he got the money. <laughs> Don't tell him I told you. <laughs> so we, they got a taxi for me and my wife and I. Everybody else was sleeping in the hotel. Some people are downstairs eating breakfast. Some are, are doing their own various things. So we got into this taxi and they were just going and going and going and going. I said, oh, Lord. Where are we going? Can we trust this guy? Then I noticed that he crossed into the Muslim area. But anyway, to cut the story short, they took us to where Lazarus was raised from the dead. There were other places I, I wanted to see that I was just making requests based on what I know, what I've read, what I've studied in the Bible. And one of those places was that I want to see where Obadiah, the very book we're talking about now, 
I wanted to know where that prophet was buried. Even though his book is the smallest in the Old Testament, even though he is relatively unknown, but his message to me was so profound. His message changed my life that I wanted to know where he was buried. Now I'm sure you want to know, okay, so what's the big deal about this small book, small prophet, one chapter? <laughs> so that's why we're here. Let me give you another background so that you have a good appreciation of the book of Obadiah. The book is about um, a city, a kingdom called Edom, E-D-O-M. And basically, in a nutshell, the whole book is about the rise and fall of the kingdom or the people of Edom. I'm sure you'll be saying, so what's the big deal about that? It is a big deal because, at least to me, because I've seen many countries rise and fall. Do you know at one time Africa used to be the leader of the world? They rise and they fall. You probably have heard of the kingdoms of Africa, the pyramid, uh, the Egyptian king. I mean, archaeologists are still digging. They're still infesting. You probably heard about the universe, the first university in, in Cairo, Egypt, and you'll be saying, wow, Africa was leading. Yeah. But guess what? They rise and they fail. Well, you, you probably have heard about, about the Roman Empire. I mean, at some point, Alexander the Great, the emperor of, of, Roman, of Rome, almost literally conquered the entire world. I mean, he was depressed because there, were, there was nowhere else to conquer. <laughs> That's when you know you're the champion. But guess what happens to Rome? That Roman Empire rise and it fell. My biggest concern for our great nation, America, is that we don't rise and fall. That's what makes the book of Obadiah very important. There's a small country called United Kingdom. It's so small. It's London, Britain, all those little and the amazing thing, will you believe that little country conquered three-fourths of the whole world? They literally ruled the planet Earth at one time. They ruled America. They ruled India. They ruled China. I mean, name all the big countries. They, they kicked everybody's butt. <laughs> I mean, I'll go to England uh, because I have a broadcast on, on TBN, Europe and TBN, Africa, and I'll go to London to record. I'm amazed when I get free times and I, and I drive around and take tour, 
I mean, United Kingdom is very small. And I always scratch my head. How can this small country conquer the whole world? Yes, they did. They rule even Africa. I mean, everywhere you go, they dominate. They go there, beat them down, whoop them behind, and take over. But guess what? The same story. They rise and they fail. We're not just nations. Permit me to call your attention to churches. If you really think back, I'm sure you've heard of many churches that were famous today and tomorrow you hear nothing about them. In fact, I remember when I came to Central Louisiana way back in the year 1995. That's when I came here. About 25 years ago, or maybe 26 years, I don't know. And I remember I was trying to do my homework about churches, and they were telling me of famous churches especially in the black community. I'll be careful not to mention names because I don't want to offend anybody. But one thing that really shocked me, one thing that blowed my mind, one thing that troubled my soul is when they would call a church and they would say, they used to be the biggest thing going on in central Louisiana. They rise and they fail. And then they would mention another church. Or they, they say they used to be. And there were so many used to be that today, even though by the grace of God, our church is probably the biggest, or maybe one of, if not one of the, the biggest, just to be modest and humble about it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one of my concerns is that we don't be a repeat of what Obadiah is talking about. You don't want to be a ministry that today you rise and then tomorrow you're no more. So not only does it, this book apply to nations, not only does it apply to churches, it applies to individuals. I bet if I really get down uh, to nitty gritty with you, I bet you can remember somebody who was a success story, but today all their wealth, all their riches, all their fame is gone. I remember representing a client uh, from Monroe, Louisiana, who was a multimillionaire. The first time he told me, honestly, I thought, look, Negro, please. <laughs> just, just, because he just looked raggedy like everybody else. So I never believed him. I thought, look, you've lost your mind. But as we prosecute his case, I was shocked to find out what he told me was true. He was 
a multimillionaire. But you know what is so sad? By the time I met him, he had no dime to his name. He rose and he fell. Have you ever seen people that used to, to drive a nice car, now they're walking? Have you ever seen a great athlete? I remember <laughs> there was a gentleman, true story. Uh, I met him, and he's from Maxfield. Uh, is that a Vols part? I don't know. Uh, nice city, not too far from here. And I discovered the brother, believe it or not, was an, a star, a star athlete. I said, you got to be kidding. And yes, he was. He was famous too. But now, today, the case is different. You know what I'm trying to tell you? No condition is permanent. Obadiah speak concerning Edom. You all look good today. You all are riding high. He said, but tomorrow, God will bring you down. My prayer for you is that you will not go from up to down. That God will take you from down to up. Hallelujah. The Bible has a lot to say about God exalting people. You know how he talked about it? He said, you, you need to Humble yourself in the sight of Almighty God so that in due time he will lift you up. God hates pride. God hates people who think they are all that. God hates people who think they are better than others. The prophecy of Obadiah can be better understood by understanding the background to that prophecy. Let me see if I can break it down to everybody. You know I love to do this. I'm a minister of simplicity. <laughs> Just keep it simple. <laughs> I got my whole family thinking simple. I will ask simple questions. Uh, I love my wife. She she's amazing. I will ask her a simple question. How are you doing? And then she will want to start in 1942. I say, Oh Lord, help me. Time out, times. Please clear me the headache. <laughs> I just want to know how you doing. Good, fine, whatever bad. Just keep it simple. And now she's very good at it. She, I mean. I guess it's the lawyer in me. Can you imagine going to the to the court and you get a witness sworn in, raise your right hand, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, help you God? He say, I do. Okay, sit down. And then you, you want to ask what we call preliminary questions. That really has nothing to do with the case. It's just about basic information. And you say, will you please state your name for the record? 
And instead of him just to say, my name is Joshua Joy Dara, he said, you know, my mama and my daddy met, oh, no, 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 time out, time, time out. <laughs> we don't want to know when your mama and your daddy met, where they met. No, no, no. Just keep it simple. What the, what's your name? <laughs> so one thing I love about the book of Obadiah is it's really very simple. The brother was straightforward. The brother was blunt, and he's not into all the poem and all the dramas. No, his message was loud and clear. Let me break it down to everybody's understanding. You remember, it all started with Abraham. Abraham was minding his own business in Genesis chapter 12, and God called him and said, hey, my man, I want you to leave your folks, leave your kindred, leave your family. I want you to go to a place that I will show you. And if you will obey me, I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will make you a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse everyone that curses you. You remember that story where Abraham amazingly obeyed God. I can preach on that all day the need for you and me to develop a life of obedience to God. I wonder how many times the Holy Spirit has spoken to your spirit man and you heard God loud and clear. Maybe with your ears, maybe in your soul, maybe in your dreams. Maybe God shows you a clear vision. Have you obeyed what God asked you to do? Hmm. Think about it. Abraham obeyed God. As a result, God blessed him. And you know his story. He was married to Sarah, and Abraham and Sarah had a son by the name Isaac. All right? So from Abraham to Isaac, then Isaac had a twin. Uh-huh. Now we're getting close to this kingdom called Edom. I want to show you how Edom gets in the place. So Isaac had a twin. One is named Jacob, one is named Esau. And if you remember in the Bible, these two of them, they were supposed to look the same. They're supposed to act the same. They're actually the same. They're twins, identical twins. And But if you remember in the Bible, when they were in their mama's womb, they were fighting each other. And that's something. And then when they were born, you remember in the Bible, the story was told how Jacob, one of the twin, tricked the other twin. Their relationship was not the best. I'm sure you'll say, okay, so what does that have to do with today's lesson? I'm glad you asked. You just follow the drama. So now we have these two, two individuals, twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob had 12 children who later on become the nation of Israel. Guess what? He's, 
his twin brother Esau had a son whose name is Edom. Now you see where the kingdom of Edom came from. So that means Jacob's children, the 12 tribes that form Israel, that means Israel and Edom, they were relatives. But guess what? Like their father, they don't get along. They fight. They were rivals. They were at each other's throat. In fact, it's so bad that even though they are next to each other, Israel cannot cross the land of Edom without a fight. By the way, I can stop there and have church. Have you ever seen people from the same family and they don't get along? Have you ever seen some siblings that won't even talk to each other? You know, normally twins are very, they act alike, they, they dress alike, they, they look alike. Isn't it funny to have a twin that just don't get along with each other? So now we have Israel and Edom, two kingdoms. Their forefathers are relatives, and they are all relatives. Their forefathers are the same, but they don't get along. So Edom, now you see where they came from. Even when you read the Bible, most people talk about Israel. They never talk about Edom. You know why? Because God chose Israel and not Edom. That's another lesson by itself. Well, one day it just happened because Israel will commit sin. Israel will refuse to obey God's command. God allowed the enemy to come in and attack Israel. That enemy is called Babylon. Here is what triggered the book of Obadiah. When Babylon came to attack Israel, now you would think Edom, who is a relative of Israel, will come to their rescue and team up with Israel to defend their, their, their relative against the enemy, Babylon. You won't believe what happened. Here's what happened. Number one, Edom start cheering for the demise of Israel. Number two, Edom refused to help their own relatives to fight their enemy. They just stand by and watch the show. Where it get worse than that, Edom was not only cheering the enemy, eventually, Edom joined the enemy to attack their own brothers and sister Israel. It was in the midst of all of that that God raised up Obadiah to speak against Edom for what they have done. By the way, you should notice something about God. When God's children, you, me, all of us who profess to be Christian, when we act up, God will deal with us. 
But God cannot stand it when anybody is laughing at his children, even though he is punishing his own children. And I know this the same thing is true even with us as human beings. Can you imagine Keisha being my daughter and she act crazy and I beat her up? And then while I'm disciplining my own daughter and you are out there and you start laughing, ha, 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 look what happened to Keisha. Guess what I would do to you for laughing at my daughter? I'll whoop your behind. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Bible is not really complicated. God was not happy when the enemy rejoiced at the downturn or the punishment of God's children. There's a scripture that says that so loud and clear. It says, Rejoice not over me, my enemy, when you see me go down. Though I fall today, I will rise. I always want my enemies, be careful when you want to laugh at me because you may think I'm going down, but no, I'll be back. <laughs> that sounds like somebody in the movies, I'll be back. <laughs> so the Bible is actually very fun to understand. Edom was supposed to be helping Israel. Their relatives. No, they were just happy that Israel is having a hard time. They were cheering the enemy of Israel. They were, they were clapping for Babylon. Go get them. They refused to help Israel. And on top of it, eventually, they joined in with the enemy to attack and destroy and, and capture their own relatives and put them into exile. That is so sad. That is why God raised up Obadiah. Obadiah is a prophet, the voice of God, who prophesied over Edom. He said, because you did not help your own brothers. Point two, because you are rejoicing at the punishment or the demise of your own brothers, of, of God's children. Because you not only laugh at what's going on, you actually join with the enemy. You are a sellout against God's children. God said, I've had enough with you. You think you're all that. By the way, if you study the kingdom of Edom, you have a better appreciation of what I'm talking about. Would you believe that they build their homes on the, on the mountains? Israel leaves on the ground. But the Edomites, they just want to prove that they are better. They just want to prove that they are stronger. They just want to prove that they, 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 are, they are smarter. You, you, have you ever met people like that? I mean, they just, they're just full of themselves. So all their homes are on the mountain. And one of the famous verses in the book of Obadiah, 
is Obadiah chapter 1, verse number 4. God said, although you're high up there flying like eagles, you made your nest on top of the mountains. God said, but I, the Lord God, will bring you down. Whoa. So now you can see in the New Testament why the Bible says, if you think you are standing, be careful lest you fall. Another scripture says, God hates the pride, but he gives grace to the humble. There's a lesson there. One reason why I take this book very seriously is that as the Lord is blessing you, as the Lord is raising you, as the Lord is promoting you, or your children, or you and your children, or your, your ministry, or your business, or whatever you're doing, be careful that you don't develop a big head lest you lose everything you got. Always give God the glory. Always pointing the glory to God. Let everybody know, no, I'm not that smart. I'm not that quick. I'm not that, I'm not better than anybody. God did it for me. God, always point to God. Oh, girl, you're looking good. Well, thank, thank you very much. God did it. Oh, brother, man, things are looking good for you. Thank you very much, sir. God did it. People ask me all the time, why you bow? And they assume that maybe it must be a part of African culture to bow to others. No, Africans don't bow. <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise. Just think about it. <laughs> no. After reading the book of Obadiah, I learned the virtue of humility. I learned the importance of remembering where you used to be before God raised you up. Always stay focused. Like David, know if it has not been for the Lord who was on your side. Think about it. Where will you be? As a black man, as a black woman, as a foreigner, or whatever, even you may be a white brother or sister watching this show now, and you look back over your life and you see things that could have happened, things that almost happened, yet by the grace of God, you are still here. Just give God the glory. Always point to him. God did it. Your house, God did it. Your car, God did it. Your job, God did it. Your health, God did it. Your strength, God did it. Your ministry, God. I mean, anything about you. Even you look at your children, you give glory to God. You say, look, wow. Look at Keisha. It's doing fine. Praise the Lord. God did it. Because the truth be told, do you really think you and I can raise our children? Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, we just try this. Except the Lord builds the house. 
everyone that labors, labors in vain. Except the Lord protect the whole city. In vain, the watchman is watching. There's not much we can do without God. So learn to give him the glory. Now, let me end up by saying one thing I love about the book of Obadiah is the same thing I always told you about all the books of the prophets. They always end on a positive note. Here's prophet Obadiah being robbed, being blown, uh, talking about the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, the day when God will kick the behind of the kingdom of Edom for what they have done. He, will, he just went after them and tell them and tell them and punch them and pound and pound. And then you come to the conclusion of the book. He said, there is hope. I love that about the prophets of Israel. Let me advise those of you who are ministers. One thing that I cherish so much in ministry is being able to be uplifting to the people, to inspire people, to take people from point A to Z and not always gloom and doom. Oh, I can't, I can't stand it when people are just negative, negative. I never, this is a true story. I went to a physical therapist. I won't mention his or her name, so you, I don't mess up their business. And they told me in the first visit, it's going to be about 45 minutes. You won't believe it. They spent three hours with me. Whew, you can tell how I'm fuming inside of me because, man, I've been, I've, I've programmed my whole day, okay, I've knocked this out in 45 minutes, I'll go and stop another problem. And then that three hours was full of all kinds of negative talk. Oh, man, you're going down. Oh, you. People die of this. Oh, they don't live for three months. Oh, your leg going to be cut up. Hey, I don't pay you to, <laughs> to, to, to mess up my day. <laughs> the same thing is true in ministry. Can we be a church, a community that uplifts people, that bring hope? to our people, that encourage people. There is life after death. There is hope at the end of the tunnel that things will get better. That's one thing. Consistently, every one of those prophets, I love them for that. Now you see why I get so excited about the books of the Bible. Obidai end up on a positive note that the day will come when God will build up a new Jerusalem and that God will honor his word to his people, his commitment, and that God will raise up a ruler, a Messiah, that all the people need to do is to return back to God. Wow, what a way to end. I can say the same thing about you and me. Have you ever messed up? You say, Reb, now you're getting personal. 
Okay, let me not talk about it. Let's talk about me. Ask me the question. Have I ever messed up? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you say, man, this is some kind of preacher. But you know what is so good about it? Every time I come back to God to say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Give me another chance. God never turned me down. There's hope for you, my friend. There's hope for me. There's hope for all of us. The essence of this message is all of us can do better. You can be a better husband. You can be a better wife. You can be a better daddy. You can be a better mama. You can be a better pastor. You can be a better human being. You can be a, I mean, anything that you're doing right now, believe me, there's always room for betterment. Never thought you have arrived. Never thought this is how far you can go. Oh, I'm just tired. I can't go anymore. No. Believe me when I tell you. The reason why you are still alive today is because God has more in stock for you. If this message has touched your heart, and maybe the Holy Spirit is dealing with your spirit man right now about the need to be humble, about the danger of being prideful, about the danger of laughing and mocking those who are going through some difficult time, about the hope for tomorrow, even if you're going through some difficult time, about the need to come back to God and say, Lord, give me another chance, and I would do better. I've been there. I know what it is to be down in the valley. I know what it is for God to lift me up. I know the joy of being humble. And simply what God promotes you. I know the blessing of not laughing at the demise of another. Think about this thing. If you need prayer, my friend, there's a number under the screen. Dial that number. There are ministers of the gospel waiting to pray with you, waiting to rejoice with you, to believe God with you. You know, we all of us can do better. And as we approach a brand new year, if I were you, one of my commitments would be, I just want to do better. You know, one of my children asked me the question, Daddy, what's in store for the new year? What is your new year resolution? I said, it's simple. I want to do better. I hope that's your resolution also. And by God's help, we can. Thank you for watching. God bless you till we meet again. Happy New Year in advance. God bless you.